All right, welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. This is our TV version with Doug Skeen midweek, and we didn't get a chance to do one after the the Michigan-Indiana game scheme because I was in the injury tent. I was a little banged up trying to play through some stuff this year. You know how it is. It's that time of year, right, where everybody's got something. Hey, man, you got to suck it up. It's November. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, were you bumps? Were there bumps and bruises? You guys were all going through something, right? There was nobody that was really like 100% healthy, right? Come November, the bruises are everywhere. The soreness is everywhere. But you're, you're football sore, so you're kind of used to it. Right. Um, your fingers are mangled. Your wrists hurt. You have, may have a sore neck. Um, you know, your hips are just sort of tired from all the beating. Although these guys play in much better fields than we did. Uh, the, the old school AstroTurf field ballast that we had uh, before they ripped the, the field out of Michigan, that was yeah. brutal. Um, yeah. So you know, the care of these players is still good nowadays, but November is November is where you find out how gritty and tough your football team really is. And so yeah, every, was, and every team in America, every team in America has the same issues. They all do. Which so. which bodes the question: At what point does this brutal and violent sport go the way of the dodo? You know. Well, I think. I, well, I don't. I, it'll never go away. There's too many billions of dollars at stake, and we just love it too much. And there's too many yeah. benefits that come from all the kids that get to play this wonderful game. Um, but I think it's fair to say that some of the violence has been removed uh, from the game. You cannot do a lot of the things you could do just even five years ago. Um, and it feels like, in some ways, and you and I have talked about this. Some of the stuff has gone too far. Some of the targeting calls that are thrown on these kids, it doesn't. It's not just Michigan games. Uh, some of these targeting calls and the way the rule is designed—that's got to be fixed. But they're they're playing smarter. Uh, but it's still football. It's a violent game played by violent people, and guys are going to yeah. get hurt. But the benefit of playing the game outweighs the risks. And I would tell you that. 99.9999 percent of people that ever played the game will tell you that there you have it and i was just wanted, wanted to get you riled up a little bit and say i was going to start <laughs> the movement to ban the game because it's just too violent so of course for guys like me you know who weighed a buck 25 in high school what do i care you know i love seeing you guys beat the crap out of each other and uh and that's what we are as fans man that's why we love the game you love the big hits and everything else so uh speaking of big hits michigan uh Big one with Penn State, man. And uh, you look at it, this is kind of looked at as a pick I want to talk real quick, though, about Indiana. Uh, I thought the offensive line took a bit of a step back. Now, it's hard to say that when you've got a 162-yard rusher, a guy ran for six yards of carry. But seems to me that the – and they did some good things, uh, let's be honest, in – uh, in the run game. But in the pass game, it seems to me like they're still getting confused about some things. Well, I don't know. A step back might be a bit of a – overreach on the characterization of the offensive line play versus Indiana. Did they play absolutely clean? No. Did they play to the ability that they're capable of? I don't think so. They're better than some of those snaps that we broke down in the film breakdown. Short yardage and goal line, some of those things need to be cleaned up. Uh, The pass protection specifically that you're talking about, uh, some of the pre-snap reads. When a defense is going to tell you that they're bringing someone off the edge, as clearly as Indiana was, Offensive lineman, you got to peek out there. You got to look and see because that's probably going to change what the dude in front of you is going to do. And at the same time, the fundamentals of just passing off a blitzing linebacker and some sort of linebacker, Don Lyman twist, 
Um, I keep saying it, Ballas. You want to defeat a twist? It doesn't matter whether it's down lineman, linebacker, down lineman combo. You have to flatten off the first guy to protect your line mate. And we weren't entirely clean against Indiana doing so. And we got our quarterback hit a few times and the ball came out early. So you're going to go on the road and, be, and win against Penn State and, and have a chance here down the stretch to do what they want to do that we want to see them do. You can't do those things. They have to be fixed. Yeah, we got a big one coming up with Penn State. And I wanted to mention their defensive line and their run game, their run defense gave up 347 yards against Illinois. And, you know, that was kind of a one-off. But when you're looking at that and you're thinking, wow, 347 yards is 347 yards. I think there's an opportunity there. I don't think you go into this game changing a whole lot, do you? you I think you try to establish no. what's been working for you. Maybe run a little bit of play action, but – uh, that's a good secondary, and that is good red zone defense. So, to me, uh, a healthy dose of Hassan Haskins here and see what happens out there on Saturday. Your thoughts? Yeah, you, Michigan's not going to change who they are, nor should they. I think, just like you said, go out there and execute. Don't have the leaky messes on second and seven or third and four. Uh, you got to play clean football, and this defense can be scored on. But Michigan – I didn't realize it. You know, I think we suspected uh, that Michigan's red zone offense wasn't all that great. But in the broadcast against Indiana, they flashed it up there. 84th in the nation at scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's not very good. And when you go on the road in the Big Ten, you had better not be kicking field goals earlier in that game. You've got to get the ball in the end zone, stick a knife in that defense and the crowd and establish yourself is a touchdown scoring red zone outfit instead of kicking field goals. If we start kicking field goals, Ballas, in the first half up there in Penn State on Saturday afternoon, look out. We know how this goes. You need to score touchdowns. With the red zone stuff, is it sequencing? That was, was the word that came to mind when I was watching it. doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to what they're doing. Is it execution? Because there have been times that it looks like they've had plays that should have worked but didn't. Uh, and, at the, and then there's short yardage where maybe one guy's not doing his job. To me, it's not really one thing. It's, it's something different every time. In, in, in Ballas, if I had to pick one between the two you just gave me, it's execution. Going mm -hmm. back to the Michigan State game, on one of those drives where we were going and we ended up kicking a field goal, we had a second down, tackle for loss or no gain, a third down where one guy misses his block or one guy uh, just has bad technique, takes the bad angle, Um those are the tiny little things. And we're talking about the margin of error on the road against Michigan State, and it'll be the same against Penn State, and certainly the last two games of the year. You can't make mistakes and cause plays to get blown up. You can't let a guy cross your face on short yardage and goal line and get in the backfield to make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. That can never happen. If you want to win these games, that stuff never happens. That's the kind of thing that happens in September. And you realize, oh, crap, I'm never going to let this happen again. The next time I get in this situation, nothing is crossing my face. But here we are, late October into November, and we still have two or three of these plays. And it's all it takes to cause you to punt the football or kick field goals. And that is the margin of error. I think it's execution <laughs> at short yardage and goal line more than it is play calling. Now, when I come to you for – 
advice when I come to you to help me understand offensive line play. You're coming from a position where you played for one of the best lines in Michigan history, and that's not hyperbole. So you have really, really high expectations. Now, you guys made mistakes, right? There's no question about yeah. it. But these mistakes that we're seeing, are, we're not typical, right, are not typical of those lines that you see at the end of the year that are, are really clicking. No, the mistakes that I'm talking about, for example, let's just go back to the Indiana game. I think it was third and one. And we're going to we're going to pick on the tight ends here a little bit. Schoonmacher is playing the left tight end. It's third and one midfield right after we got jammed on the bad spot on the play to uh, Cornelius Johnson there. Third and one. you got a defensive end across from you. Schoonmacher allows the guy to cross his face and get in the backfield and begin to make the tackle. And then over on the right side of that very same play, Andrew Stuber has got to get to the inside linebacker because we're running a belly dive, right? We're going up the middle to get a yard. Stuber makes an inside move and goes for a cut block. That linebacker sees that and launches in the air. And the two of those defenders stop Haskins cold, and we don't get a first down. That's just execution. In hindsight, Schumacher fires his right foot harder and further upfield inside and gets his eyeballs to the far number on that defender and smashes him down the line. That dude doesn't get in the backfield. Andrew Stuber at right tackle takes a power gap stack with his left foot, gets his right foot upfield, and then finds the far number on that linebacker. And instead of that dude jumping through the air, Stuber swallows him alive and knocks him back on his ass. Those two guys do that. We get a first down in that situation instead of having to punt. And so these are the tiny little things of execution that I, that I can see on a weekly basis. Later in the Indiana game, they're telegraphing. They're absolutely telegraphing a blitz. There's a defender that's coming up. He's a blitz threat now. Your defensive end over right tackle Stuber here, you got to know this guy comes, this defensive end is not going to be the contained man. He's got an inside go. He's got a free inside go. So I need to underset him. I need to pass set him to take away the inside. And by, by the way, offensive tackles, the number one rule, you never get beat to the inside anyway. You should always be protecting that. These are some of the, 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 the these are some of the small little things that offensive linemen in November, great offensive lines in November, you don't make these mistakes. You have to yeah. see this stuff. And yet, and yet, I got, I got to defend the offensive line a little bit here. In that Indiana game, I think it was first or second quarter, Ballas, and we talked about this. Indiana, again, is telegraphing a blitz off of our offensive right. There's like 13 seconds left. Anthony pointed at it. The defender is showing it. The safety is creeping over the top. And the defensive line shifts over to their right, our left. We know that guy's coming, and yet we don't yeah. change the play. We, yeah. don't, we don't pull that. Now, that one, to me, is on the coaching staff for not putting those guys in the situation. And, by the way, on that play – was a tackle for loss. Hassan Haskins get tackled in the backfield, and you give a highlight reel to the kid from Indiana. Of course, he got it. no one blocked him, and right. so those those kinds of things can be cleaned up too. But execution is more important than uh, play calling, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think in the past, maybe the backs haven't found the holes and they, the offensive line, they haven't done that many favors. And it's almost reversed this year where you've got guys like Haskins and Cora making guys miss, getting those extra yards, making four out of two, 
Haskins is a, is a pro back, in my opinion. I want your opinion on this because it sounds more and more like he's going to test the NFL waters. We'll have that more tomorrow in our Inside the Ford at TheWolverine.com. By the way, a dollar to sign up for the year at On3. We just moved over to On3, and it's been unbelievable, the number of uh, people that have come over. But with Haskins' scheme, shelf lives for NFL backs are short, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at this guy, if you would have told me three years ago when they moved him to linebacker for crying out loud, they saw something they liked about him on film clearly, but uh, goes to the linebacker, comes back to running back. And now, in my opinion, he's one of the best ones in the Big Ten. No, he doesn't have the breakaway speed. A, that's overrated in a back. I don't care what anybody tells you. You'd love to have the home run threat, but that's, you know, having the complete package. I would take a lot of other traits before I would take home run speed above them. Uh, number two, this kid has proven with his pass pro and his toughness and his running ability and his feet. Uh, in my opinion, this guy's an NFL back. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like him a lot. He's come a long way, Ballas, in the last couple of years. A couple of years ago, pass blocking was terrible. Pass blocking was terrible by all the backs a couple of years ago. So the Mike Hart effect has had a great impact on, on Hassan, and his game is elevated. But just like Blake Corum, Hassan is really – showing a little patience in his running style this year, letting those offensive linemen get to where they need to be, setting up linebackers to bait them into a spot before putting a foot down and making a cut. Uh, it's been off the charts improvements for for Haskins, and and I think he's an NFL talent. Do, is he a high draft pick? I don't know. I've certainly been wrong in a few, a few uh, projections in the last few years. Maybe he is. Um, he definitely has what it takes. And then, and then the, the, un, the unmeasurable – the thing that, that doesn't show up in the stat line, I guess it does in the yak thing, but Haskins has just shown a toughness and a grind to his running style that I didn't think he was capable of. But this kid in the last couple of years has obviously dramatically improved his lower body core strength, and he uses that to his advantage. Uh, hats off to that kid. He's come a long way uh, for someone that we were kind of like, yeah, okay, the, you know, he's serviceable until we get the next super back in there, right? Yeah. But that's not – He's quietly and now not so quietly established himself as one of the better backs we've had in the last you know, four, five, six years at Michigan. Now, he's not the only one being projected. David Ojabo, there are a couple of topics that we have to touch on here. David Ojabo just showed up in Mel Kuyper's uh, draft board as the number 10 overall prospect scheme. This guy played 17 <laughs> snaps last game, and now you got to worry about losing this kid. You're hoping that he comes back for another year. If he's a top 10, top 15 pick, you got to tell the kid to go. I don't see it, but Kuiper talks to people, and it's very clear now. Uh, his phones are blowing up about David Ojabo and how far he's come. What I love about him is that he is one of those guys that practices as hard as he plays, wants to play. We've had some defensive ends here that we've seen that haven't wanted to and that we're trying to protect themselves and wants to get better. He's only been playing football for six years or something like that, five or six years. So uh, to me, if there are those NL, NIL boosters out there uh, looking to spend some money, you know what, throw <laughs> some at this kid, give him a million bucks to sponsor Doritos or something <laughs> like that and tell him to stay for another year because he could slide into that Hutchinson role and needs to be more of an all around player, but he could have that opportunity next year. Well, a couple of things. First of all, he's got the speed. He's got the great arm length and, and he's got, from what I've watched from college football this year, Ballas, he's got one of the best spin moves that you will see. He does a good job of establishing an edge, edge, edge. And then when he senses an offensive lineman is off tackle, he'll take that upfield run, get that tackle a little bit wide, and then spin to the inside. He's really good at that. So 
the core talent and physical skills of this kid is really, really good. And he's tall and he's long and that's all wonderful stuff. The other thing is he's benefiting from the impact of Aiden Hutchinson on the other side, right? When Aiden is doing a bull rush or getting pressure, he's moving that pocket toward Ojabo's side. So Ojabo is benefiting and has benefited from some of the incredible play that Aiden has provided this year. I think without a, without a, 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 you know Aiden on the other side of that defensive line, does Ojabo have the same stats this year? Maybe not. That's not to take anything away from this kid because he's having a hell of a year. These two guys, uh, Hutch and now Ojabo, have established themselves as one of the premier rushing duos in all of college football. And Lord knows we're going to need them here in these last few weeks. But this doesn't surprise me to see this. Now, of course, the NFL scouts and and their livelihood is depending on what does this guy look like uh, without an unbelievably good pass rusher on the other end of that defensive line. What does he look like when you can slide protect his way? What does he look like when you get an extra tight end or you get chip blocked? And they have been doing that to him a little bit this year to slow him down. But he's in that backfield. and He's just, he's disrupting things. He's having a hell of a year. So first rounder, top 10, well, that's a little bit surprising. First rounder with what we've seen in the NFL, not just from Michigan in the last four or five years, NFL drafts on potential and what they think they can get you to at the next level and improve your game. I think they've seen enough there. We've seen enough that, yeah, I think Ojabo absolutely could leave. And if you're going to be in the top half of the NFL draft, then you probably need to go because that's some guaranteed money that's that's life-changing. Um, or if, if, if he's going to be in the bottom half of the NFL draft, maybe that's not good enough for him. Uh, the NFL first round, I should say. Uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson came back with a, with a goal of being a top 10 draft pick. Looks like he's well on his way to being that. Uh, Ojabo may have the same thing. I want to be in the top 10. That's where the big money is, right? Not that late first round is bad money, but you want to get into the big money. Top 10 is where you want to be. And um, we'll see how this plays out. There's certainly this Saturday, the home finisher against Ohio State. If Ojabo wants to be in that top half of the first round, it's right here for the taking, especially against Ohio State, because that offensive line can block. Yeah, they sure can, and uh, at least they can pass block. You know, at Penn State, uh, yeah, and I guess they can run block too. Who are we kidding? So that's when it's going to get really interesting. So uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on an, uh, another hot topic from last night. I don't know if you saw this, but Michigan did leapfrog Michigan State in the playoff standings. They're number six. Michigan State is number seven. Uh, I got some hate mail for my tweet saying that, hey, the playoff committee uh, actually watched the the replay booth, you know, or, or at, did their own replay. So I didn't go over real well on East Lansing. But uh, uh, they did say that, hey, Michigan, they thought Michigan looked like the better team. And it's their goal to identify the better team, you know. And I get that they beat them head to head. It's really irrelevant, right? Because it's all going to play out anyway. They both, like, so like there was Reese Davis or somebody that said they both play Ohio State anyway. So it's probably a moot point. However, I will say that there have been some chinks in the armor here for this Ohio State team. You don't concede anything, especially this year if you're Michigan. The way you're rushing the pass or the way you're running the ball, because teams are running the ball on Ohio State, this is an opportunity here to change the entire narrative, isn't it? I think it absolutely is, better than you know the last three or four seasons. So Michigan, everything they want is right here. Take away the loss to Michigan State and what happened that day. Um and the fact that we're one notch ahead of Michigan State in the playoff thing, who cares? No one's going to remember that. Um, you know, here in just a few weeks, maybe even next week, no one's going to remember. Uh, except for your Twitter haters, Ballas. They'll just keep coming. 
which is fine. So, right. But it doesn't really register for me. Uh, for Michigan, everything is 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 in the next three weeks and starting, you know, a couple of days from now and in, in, in Happy Valley there. So Michigan State, uh, we, we need them to lose another game. And there's a pretty good chance that happens right with with who they've got left on their on their uh, schedule. But if I'm playing for Michigan, uh, none of it matters. The margin of error is zero. You have to win out to go accomplish your goals and get one of these rings you see over my shoulder here to be a big 10 champion. That's everything. And you've got three weeks to do it. Um, so nothing else matters. And um, I got, I really, I really so badly want to see this happen for you guys. Obviously I have a personal connection with Hutch and uh, Aiden there and the family, but also for, for all the kids on that team that I don't know that I, that I may never know they're wearing the same uniform that we wore and the feeling of holding that championship and knowing that you are the Big Ten champion, the outright Big Ten champion, I want it badly for these guys. Um, and I, I only assume that they want it worse than I do. I'm sure they do. I would hope so. And I miss you on Twitter, by the way, man. There are a lot of bullets flying out there. Feeling feel a little lonely <laughs> since you left. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't miss to... it. I don't. I don't miss it. <laughs> what a what a cesspool, man. We can we can do a whole show about that. So, Skeen, I appreciate yeah, sure. your time. As, as always, and uh, we'll, we'll join us uh, on, in the trenches. Watch Doug Skeen break down some plays. I will be talking to you on Saturday, Sunday after uh, Michigan's game. You got a pretty good vibe on this one. I, I got a decent feeling here that they might. I, I you know, what, you know, and the reality is, pragmatically, Jim Harbaugh's teams on the road in tough environments. You know, hey, I don't know. Is Penn State ranked right now? Do they get into the top twenty? I think they're top twenty-three or something. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay, because you know the stat, right? Yeah, on the road, ranked teams, not good, not good. Right. I, yep. I think this game, I think this game lines up to look and feel a lot like our trip to Wisconsin, a lot like our trip to Nebraska. Michigan has a very good chance to go out there and have success. Um, personally, I'd like to see it. I think the Penn State coach is kind of a clown. Uh, I like to, I like to beat that guy. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know, another thing, Ballas, that I think is. Uh, Interesting. I, I noticed that um, Penn State has a defensive lineman who has been suspended for a sideline incident. I don't know what the team mm. did, but that yeah. sounds like a uh, internal problem. So maybe they're having some issues over there in the locker room. Uh, yeah. I have no idea. I, I don't know. Um, but maybe there's some 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 things going on. So uh, this could very well be it for the Penn State. The last big gasp to knock off Michigan. Uh, of course, they got Michigan State later in the season, but if you're playing for Penn State right now, it's all about ruining someone else's year, and none better than to start with us on Saturday. But Michigan's got a real chance to win here. They just need to go play clean football, Ballas, uh, and they can do this. Couldn't agree more. He's Doug Skeen. Skeen, thanks again for your time. Hope I didn't get you sick here through the airwaves, and, uh, and we'll uh, talk <laughs> to you next week. All right. Go Blue.